Well, welcome to Grace Valley Baptist Church. This is our Sunday school hour, and our lesson is coming again from the book of Daniel. We're in the ninth chapter. Doesn't sound very Christmassy, but I think uh, by the time we finish, you'll see where I'm going and maybe uh, help you and help all of us to focus a little bit more on not just what happened at Christmas, but why what happened at Christmas happened at Christmas. You see what I'm, what I'm saying? Because that's what a lot of people don't understand. Even uh, Christians don't always understand. They know the fact that Jesus came. They have no clue as to why he came. And so uh, we'll tie all that together and uh, we'll do that at the very end. But as we uh, look at this prayer of Daniel, obviously it has to do with the discipline of God. Daniel has been uh, serving the Lord and serving two kings of two different empires now all of his life. Daniel is a victim of the sin of his predecessors. And uh, because of that, he's taken captive as a teenager and he's living in a pagan environment. And you know that must have been difficult on him to be ripped away from his family, to be ripped away from his culture, to be ripped away from his uh, religion, to be ripped away from his homeland and anything that was familiar. And so his whole life for all of these years, from his teen years all the way up into his 80s, has uh, been different than probably what had been imagined for him. And uh, that is because of, of course, sin. And now at this latter stage of his life, after the lion's den, he is looking in the book of Jeremiah and he is seeing the prophecy that is given by God through Jeremiah about the exile of the people of God to Babylon. And uh, lo and behold, he looks at it and it's almost time for it to be up. And that motivates him to pray. And he prays about the sin that has put them in this situation. So today we're going to be looking at the discipline of God. And then we're going to say God is merciful. And I think most people, maybe even you, if we think about the discipline of God, we think about anything but mercy. And yet the discipline of God is a very merciful thing. And mercy is emphasized in this uh, prayer that Daniel prays. Now, we don't have to look very far to find sin, do we? We can see it all around us. It's in politics. It's in the uh, way people live, their lifestyles. It, it, it's just all around us. But the truth of the matter is it's closer than we think because um, I think it was uh, Dave Ramsey who said, if the guy I shave with every morning in the mirror would just behave, I could be both skinny and rich. And uh, that really is the truth of the matter. The biggest problem that we have in America, the biggest problem we have in the church is, well, I'll just say it, it's me. If I could get myself to behave, to do what I know to do, to do what is right, then things would be different. And the same thing is true about you as well. We all struggle with our flesh. We all struggle with our desires. We struggle with our misunderstanding. 
we struggle with ignorance sometimes. And uh, as we learn and as we grow, we are being sanctified, we are being made holy, we are being set apart for the Master's use. And He's not finished with us yet. And so when you look at your life and you look at all of the things you've done, look at the things you can readily identify as sin, well, then my question would be, why are you still alive? And the answer would be, because God is merciful. When I think about sin being the things that we don't do, but should have done. We don't do them, but we should have, okay? Like your dad tells you to mow the lawn after you get home from school and have it done by the time I get home from work and you just don't do it, okay? Yeah, that's going to get you in some trouble. Well, how many times do we disobey or just ignore the things that God has told us and we know to do them, but we don't? Why are, why are you still alive? It's because of the mercy of God. And then when you take it down to the point where Jesus did, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, then he has committed adultery in his heart. And you mean sin can be something that I think? According to Jesus, it surely can. So why are you still alive? It's because of the mercy of God. Now, another question. Not only why are you still alive, but what did God do and what has He done about those things? Well, sometimes He lets you reap what you sow, and it's not always pleasant, is it? Sometimes He directly intervenes and uh, disciplines you. And uh, then there are other times when we look at the things that we uh, know we shouldn't do, and we find that uh, the Lord kind of lets it slide, and, and let me add these two things, for now, for now. How many times did God tell Israel, get things right or you're going to be taken into exile? But He didn't do it immediately, did He? There were warning, there was warning after warning after warning after warning that uh, came to them before He finally sent them into exile. And so you and I, as we are going through life, we are growing and we are learning, we are being disciplined. And sometimes He doesn't do everything immediately. He gives us time to kind of digest what He's saying, to begin to apply it to our life. He works through our conscience. conscience. Let me say that right. He works through our thoughts. He works through teaching. He works through our reading and study of the Word of God, maybe through somebody else, maybe through a sermon or a lesson, or maybe somebody's uh, direct intervention, Matthew 18, with us. And so all of this points us to the fact that, yes, God hates sin, and God is angry with sin, but God is also filled with mercy, and even His discipline is an expression of the mercy of God. So mercy is a characteristic of God. However, never think that this makes God a pushover. And some people do, don't they? Furthermore, mercy is not needed for those who are obedient and sinless. Think about that. Whenever you plead for the mercy of God or pray for the mercy of God or realize you require the mercy of God, you are indicting yourself as a guilty sinner. Mercy is for the sinful. 
And those who deserve God's rejection and abandonment receive the mercy of God. That's why Christ came, because God is a merciful God. He should have and could have abandoned us, but He didn't. And so God's mercy and, uh, God, excuse me, God's discipline was loving in spite of its severity. He'll be as severe as He needs to be to get our attention, but it was also an act of mercy. So Daniel chapter 9, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. Here's Daniel's prayer, and his prayer reveals his heart and his perspective about the exile that has really taken up most of Daniel's life. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him and he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven there, uh, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. Okay. Now, Daniel is saying this is a big-time disaster. And let's just be clear. When we look all around us, we wonder, why doesn't God do something about the evil that those people are doing and that this group is doing and that is happening over here? Well, let's remember, God will deal with that eventually, but He is right now dealing with His children not the devil's children. And uh, so he is working on us. And in some ways, let's just be honest, he's harder on his children than he is on anybody else. Now, don't worry about that because that's going to be made up for in eternity because he's going to be infinitely better to you than he should be. And they're going to find that an eternity in hell is going to be infinitely worse than they ever expected it to be. But God right now is dealing with us. Just as Daniel spoke of, there has never been a disaster like this that has taken place of, of any country. And why is that? Because God was not so concerned about the fact that pagans act like pagans. He was concerned with the fact that the people of God act like pagans. And after warning and warning and warning and warning and warning them, for hundreds of years, he came to the point where he said, that is it. And he instituted the judgment, the invasion of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, the plunder and destruction of the temple, and the carrying off of the exiles into Babylon, and it lasted for 70 years. Now Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us, 
not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. According to His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we find that both in the Old and New Testament, think about in the Psalms, um, there's a particular psalm where it says like 630 million times, His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. And there'll be a phrase and then that His mercy endures forever. What do you think the point is? To get us to understand that our God is a merciful God. You think He's rough? You think that times are bad? You think that His discipline is harsh? Well, that's what all little kids think. I used to think that my dad particularly is going to kill me. I used to think sometimes after he would spank me, I would be surprised if I wasn't bloody and bleeding and uh, unable to walk. And it really was not that bad, but it seemed that way to me. And even in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the Lord's chastisement, that it doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but it seems grievous. That's the way all little kids think about it. No matter how uh, light it may be or how heavy it may be, it's the way we always think about it. And so uh, what is really happening here, we need to see the Lord is merciful because, well, that's why we're still here. If He did what He could do and what He would righteously be able to do, we wouldn't even exist, would we? So let's think about it like this, based on Daniel's prayer. Mercy, uh, He gives mercy for the ashamed. You know, we hate in this day and age to ever be shamed, and yet we have every reason to be ashamed. We are a shameful and wicked, disgusting society in so many ways. And so many times our thoughts and our actions are things that we ought to be ashamed of and uh, we should be shamed for. But you notice that it says, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings and our princes and our fathers. Israel had, and Judah had rejected God. And their sins were not just, you know, like, uh, oh, I worked on the Sabbath day, you know, and, and it didn't hurt anybody and nothing else happened. No, it was a whole lot more than that. They were falling into witchcraft and demon worship. They were falling into uh, seances and communicating with the dead. They were falling into praying to uh, false, non-existent gods like Baal and others, even to the point to where they were sacrificing their children, burning their babies and their children alive as sacrifices to the god of, uh, called Moloch. I tell you, you can look at a society and you can tell a lot about it by the way it treats its children. And when I look at our society and I see the abuse that goes on with children, and then I think about mothers that abort their children, when I think about um, the uh, whole idea that we would think it would be acceptable and okay to take a five or six-year-old and start transitioning them to a different gender, much less putting them through surgery that mutilates them and changes them, I'm just going to say, I don't think we value children the way that we should. <coughs> and uh, the way that Israel 
didn't value their children as a gift and a heritage from God uh, tells a lot about them. And so when you look at a society and you see how they treat the weakest and most vulnerable, vulnerable among them, you learn a lot about them. And Israel was extremely wicked in this regard. And they would not repent. They would not change their ways. They would not listen to the prophets. So there's their idolatry, idolatry and immorality had offended God and their discipline even disgraced the Lord. You know, uh, the Bible says that the Lord chastens those that He loves. He disciplines those He loves. But there's nothing worse than seeing a Christian under the discipline of God walking around in the world. Why? Because it doesn't glorify God. It uh, brings shame of face to that person. And it also, you know, when a, uh, you see a, a believer under discipline telling other people, you need to get saved and have what I have. And it's just not a good advertisement for Christianity or the things of God. <clears throat> well, the same thing happened when Israel came into the land. They were proclaiming all of this. Our God is the greatest. Our God is the one true and the living God. Our God has given us this land. And they drove out the inhabitants of the land. And then they started worshiping these non-existent gods. And so when God judges them and they're taken out of the land, all of the pagans were thinking, hey, our God is bigger than your God. Look how your God, he couldn't even keep you in the land that he supposedly gave you. And so God's name was profaned, according to the book of Ezekiel, in all of the nations wherever they were scattered. So now Israel is disgraced. They have shame and a face. They are embarrassed. They've lost their land and they had forsaken their God and they had broken the covenant that they had with Him. Now God was faithful on His part, but they certainly were not. <clears throat> so they are the ones that have, Daniel says, shame of face and it belongs to them. And yet God is merciful. He restores them. Number two, mercy for the rebels. You know, we don't deserve mercy. We don't come to the place to where we say, okay, God, I've been good, give me mercy. You, uh, you cry for mercy when you are under bondage. You cry for mercy when you are imprisoned. You cry for mercy when the sentence that is given is more than you can bear. You cry for mercy in a war when an enemy is about to kill you. You cry and plead and beg for mercy. And uh, so it's not a good thing whenever you need that. Mercy is for the rebels. Uh, Daniel says, Because we have sinned against you, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. See where I got that? Verse 10, We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. So, Understand Israel did not sin by accident or ignorance. It was clearly put out and they were clearly warned repeatedly, uh, better stop, better stop, better stop, better stop, and they just would not hear it. And understand that Israel did not just sin a few times. This was not just, a, you know, a pass or fail test where, you know, one time and you flunk 
the whole course. They send over and over and over again. In fact, I was doing some research. In 1003 BC, King David established Jerusalem as the capital of the kingdom of Israel. And Jerusalem was overthrown by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. And so Israel was warned except for, uh, uh, and, and except for brief periods of revival. They rebelled for over 400 years. By comparison, the United States at the time of this recording is 246 years old. God gave them 400 years. And except for very brief periods of revival and renewal in the southern kingdom particularly, uh, they kept on rebelling, kept on rebelling, kept on rebelling. So it wasn't like God said, you know, one and done. He gave them 400 years of warnings. Now let that sink in. How merciful is God? That's pretty merciful for him to restrain his anger and his wrath toward them for all of those years and send prophets to warn them to get right and to tell them what was going to happen. In fact, it even goes back further than that because um, several hundred years before David established the kingdom in Jerusalem, Moses had warned the people at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy just before he died. And so uh, how merciful is God? Well, how merciful does he need to be to put up with people like us? Because we sin against him constantly, and yet he is a forgiving God, and he is a God who is abundant in mercy. His mercy indeed endures forever, even to the rebels. They don't deserve mercy. That's the point. We never do. He gives it freely. He gives it graciously to the undeserving. Number three. Mercy for all Israel. Okay? I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a moment. Verse 11. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the earth, oath written in the law of Moses, that would be in Deuteronomy, I think it's the 30th chapter, servant of the Lord of, of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Now, what do I mean mercy for all Israel? Well, think about this. The rebellion against God was not minor, it was not occasional, and it was not insignificant. It was the worst of the worst. It was the big stuff that they did. And as they do that, understand that it's not that they sinned accidentally or ignorantly. It's not a thing that they stumbled into. Neither is it a thing where they go, oh, well, nobody told us. We didn't know that. They knew it. It was clearly written in the Word of God, and they had committed themselves to that. And Israel had graphic and confrontive warnings from the prophets of God. Oh, my goodness. You read about what people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and people like that did even to illustrate. You remember those weird things that they would do to illustrate the uh, heartache that God had and the anger that God had toward His children and the destruction that was coming upon them. Uh, they could not plead ignorance or anything like that at all. Now let's also understand, and this is kind of to the point, 
Mercy is for all Israel. It wasn't a minority or just a few that sinned. It wasn't like 90% of Israel was obeying the Lord and these 10% were the knuckleheads who, uh, you know, started worshiping idols. It wasn't like that at all. It may have started that way, but it didn't end that way. As it uh, progressed along, it was the majority of people that were doing that. It was the entire nation and the culture with very few, and I emphasize very few exceptions. Daniel was an exception, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were an exception. But uh, this is something that, again, is a big-time treasonous rebellion against God, and the people just acted like it was no big deal. And so God is merciful toward all Israel. You know, we might be able to understand it if there were just a few people that were messing up, and so God says, hey, knock it off, and I'll, uh, you know, do something nice for you. But what about when the entire nation basically uh, is, you know, shaking their fist in the face of God, spitting in his face, and uh, what is he supposed to do? And as you think about a God who is righteously indignant towards sin and towards sinners, the Bible says, what would you expect him to do in this situation? And yet... Why did they have warning after warning and chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity? And not only that, because we've emphasized that before, I know, but after the exile, he brings them back into the land. And in fact, the nation of Israel exists in that land today in our time. Why? Because God is a merciful God. Now, we need to take that and apply that to our own lives God is merciful to the United States of America. Why is it that we still exist? Why is it that in our existence we're not all diseased and poverty stricken? Why is it that we still have uh, such a good life because God is merciful? And I remind you that it says in the book of Romans in that first chapter that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And Israel didn't get that and I'm afraid we're not getting it either. And how well do the people of God get and understand that God is merciful to our nation, merciful to us individually as well. And we need to think about that and we need to praise him because his mercy endures forever. Number four, <clears throat> mercy for doubters and skeptics. Well, I don't think doubters and skeptics ought to get mercy. Well, I don't either. But God doesn't think like we do. Notice it says in verse 12, And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us. He confirmed his words which he spoke against us. You know what that tells me? God would warn the people and say, If you don't stop, here's what's going to happen. And they go, Nah, we don't believe that. He, he never did anything before. My grandparents did this same thing. He didn't do anything. We're still in the land. We're still here, and Jerusalem is doing fine. They didn't really believe what he said. And so what God did in the exile is what every good parent does. Every good parent understands that with their children, you want your children to trust you. 
And so just making threats over and over and over. You better stop that. If you don't stop that, you know what's going to happen. If you don't stop that, then it's not going to be good for you. If you And I've seen parents do that for 15, 20 minutes. That never gets the attention of a child. What gets the attention of a child is when you promise them something good, I'm going to take you fishing on Saturday, you follow through on it. It builds trust. When you tell them if your grades meet a certain level, we'll go to Frontier City. That builds trust in them, right? If you are nice to your brother tomorrow, we'll go out and get ice cream when things are over. Positive reinforcement. And some people, the only thing they ever see about God is His positive reinforcements. He blesses, He heals, He prospers, and and He does do all of that. But they don't understand that the promises of God, which are negative, are also in force. And whether you believe it or not is not the issue. God has spoken it, and He is going to carry through on what He says. Why? Because He is a truthful God who can be trusted. You see, if a parent says, you're going to get a spanking for that if you don't stop, and then they never follow through on that, The child learns after a while, your word is no good. And so what God does here is what any good father would do. He confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, the negative, and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. So God confirmed his words, both positive and negative. You can read that in the bullet points that are in there. And God took drastic action because of his great love for Israel. And God is saying in this, I love you and I care for you so much that I'm not going to let you continue on the way that you are. And I will do whatever it takes to redeem you and bring you back. Understand that it was more corrective than it was punitive. One thing is that we know from history, after the exile, the Jews, they had problems. And Jesus dealt with a lot of those problems. And Paul dealt with those problems. But idolatry wasn't one of them. They learned their lesson after this. And they were certainly corrected of that. They never again fell into idolatry. So let's wrap this up. God, as a father, keeps his word in every way. To only do the good things would cause us to question his authority and his truthfulness, which was the issue with Eve in Genesis 3. Remember, God said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And the serpent goes, you'll not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of the fruit of the tree that you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. So what did Eve choose to believe? She believed the serpent. All sin really boils down to the matter of who are we going to believe, the tempter or our God. And so God acts upon what he does. He, uh, Adam and Eve died spiritually and they were separated from God, they were filled with shame, they hid from God, and then they were driven out of the garden. Why? Because they had to know that God means what He says. He means business. He's truthful. He doesn't just make threats. 
He means what he says, and he follows through on it. And so understand he means what he says, but he disciplines out of love for the purpose of correction. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. It is for discipline or training that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there that his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it really it uh, yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, during this Christmas, let's remember that the reason for the incarnation was to deal with sin which God hates and judges. However, because of Christ, you can understand that uh, He is the one who received no mercy from the Father. Think about that. You receive mercy all the time from God. Christ received no mercy when he was on the cross. And because of that, we receive forgiveness and abundant mercy, ongoing mercy that comes from God. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. And that's why I believe it was Habakkuk who could pray when he saw the the dire prophecies of what was going to happen to his nation, he prayed to God in wrath, remember mercy, because God is a merciful God. Well, I pray that God will bless you and continue to be merciful to all of us. And thank you for your time. Thank you for watching this. If you are keeping up with Sunday school and you couldn't be here, and thank you for teachers for paying attention to this and taking this video and using it to help teach your class and to discipline our church in the ways of the Lord. God bless you and thank you and we will see you next week.